with the views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. To Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. On this Monday afternoon, they call it Labor Day. And right now, there is a very large labor-related strike going on. If you go to Twitter or other social media platforms, but Twitter seems to be the place to be for prison strike just hashtag prison strike do a search on their hashtag you will find all the latest news and some of the other news that has been tweeted out in relation to this monumental strike against slavery practiced through the prisons via the courts as laid out in the 13th amendment so it's day 14 want to give a shout out to the prison slaves that are on strike and the prison slaves who are not on strike. Today we have uh, interesting news to report to you. Again, uh, hope that you all made it through the weekend safe and sound and that my voice finds you in such a condition. But lots of interesting news. But I got two main topics that I want to cover. Don't know how long. I will be on air this evening as it is after the first of the month and after the first of the month is when we get all kind of statistical reports, um, different metrics, and we like to put that together in a report for our donors as well as our podcasting and digital radio hosting clients. So uh, definitely got have to finish up a couple of reports and, and get them. Uh, to the right person who puts that all together. That's Agent M out there in the UK. Shout out to her as well, who puts those wonderful reports together for us so that we can uh, get a picture of what kind of influence our media operation is having worldwide. So don't know how long I'll be on uh, this evening for this particular program, but definitely not before I get through all the information. It just depends on how deep down I drill into it, as well as it depends on any callers out there that may have some questions or some comments concerning the news. You know, you can get those in at 704-802-5056-704-802-5056. Hit the star key, star key twice. That'll get you in on the board. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts. Uh, my main topics tonight will be 
on the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps. You know, you have separate uh, branches of service of what they call service. Uh, you have the Marine Corps, you have the United States Army, you have the U.S. Air Force, and you have the U.S. Navy. And, of course, among those branches, they have what's known as special forces and what have you. Um, but the Marine Corps, now, we don't know. Apparently, it doesn't appear to be that this was something that came down from the Pentagon, but it appears that the leadership in the United States Marine Corps has dealt a blow to free speech absolutism because we have some people in this society today who argue that white supremacists would be terrorists, people who are either radicalized or in the business of radicalizing others to a white supremacist ideology that promotes violence. I mean, basically, you know what the definition of terrorism is. And it's all political, so we have those who want to be a stickler for the rules and say that, well, it's not terrorism unless it's trying to get the U.S. government or any government to change policy or take up particular policies and uh, commits acts of violence and other forms of terrorism to further that ideology. Well, we have those who, who say that about white supremacists now. I don't see them standing up for the free speech absolutist rights of Muslims who, who may uh, subscribe to the philosophy or the ideology put out by the quote-unquote people called ISIS or Al-Qaeda or any of these other names. You know, you got all these different groups around the world um, and we're told that came under the umbrella of Al-Qaeda. Then apparently there's a new kid on the block called ISIS. And But I don't see these free speech absolutists standing up for some kind of supposed right to spew hateful ideology that targets people based on race, sex, gender, uh, national origin, religion even. That Those are things that are prohibited in the United States by federal law, but yet we're told uh, even those who believe platform owners like the Black Talk Media Project, which operates a social media platform, which isolates uh, operates a digital radio and podcasting platform. We have those who would say that a white supremacist terrorist has a right, a fundamental right, to have access to the platforms that we created, that we maintain and manage, and say we must allow them to spread their uh, radical ideology so that, you know, what they're attempting to do is radicalize others to their point of view. Now, if it's wrong, if, if you say it's wrong or the government says it's wrong for one group to do it, then it makes it wrong for all groups to do it. And white supremacist terrorists have been getting a pass. And this new policy by the Marines, I mean, we could really get deep into it. Um, you know, for anybody that served in the United States military or any kind of military, for for that means you know what morale means to a unit. You know what unit cohesiveness means. Um, you don't want to be in a foxhole with somebody who hates your guts and, and might even kill you himself out there on the battlefield and say the enemy done it. And, and just how dysfunctional it can make 
your unit become or your military for that matter. So it makes sense that the United States Marine Corps has adopted this policy to not only not allow people who subscribe to white supremacist ideology into their ranks, but calling on uh, active duty Marines that if they know of anybody that is subscribing to white nationalism, um, any of any of the different ideologies under white supremacy, you know, you call it neo-Nazis, white nationalists, they have many names that they go under. Um, but the Marine Corps is saying, no, you need to report these people so that we can get these terrorists out, out of here. Because not, not even taking a moral position, and I again, I haven't read the official statement, just some excerpts from it, but in the terms of the military, in, in a cohesive fighting unit, outside of the question of morality, when you know you have a diverse force, with people of different national origins, people of different um, backgrounds and racial classifications under a racist system, then you know that if you got them fighting each other, not liking each other, arguing with each other, fighting with each other, then that's not, that's not gonna bode well for that unit out there on that battlefield. Again, it just makes sense, not even from a moral perspective, but just a military perspective. So it makes sense. So why why not also apply that to general society? Nobody should be able to have some kind of so-called right to produce propaganda that is targeting any group of human beings, especially when it's prohibited by federal, federal law, which isn't being enforced and Actually, when you think about it, the Department of Justice is actually violating the 1964 Civil Rights Act um, with this zero tolerance and how it is treating refugees slash immigrants. Even under federal law, uh, they are a protected class under the uh, uh, Civil Rights Act of 64, which prohibits discrimination in the targeting of people based on race, um, and national origin. So uh, definitely uh, that's the main topic I want to get into is it's all around this so-called free speech absolutism that some people have adopted. And I say those people aren't, aren't serious about solving problems in the greater society because how can you be about solving the problem when you are allowing uh, people to be indoctrinated to uh, harmful ideologies which causes them to intrude upon the human rights and civil rights, constitutional rights, wherever you may be in this world we, we will want to always lean on human rights but you know uh, it's time out for that also not going to spend a lot of time on it but we on New Abolitionist Radio and I'm a part of a New Abolitionist a movement in the United States to abolish slavery, but the question of prison abolition is coming up. You know, we did a program slavery abolition versus prison abolition, and I come in contact with more content about that. You can check out that podcast from last week. Of course, it's posted in the feed for New Abolitionist Radio here on Black Talk Radio Network, where we have dialogue with two prison abolition uh, 
uh, people who say they subscribe to that ideology or, or that philosophy or strategy, whatever you want to call it, to abolish prisons. And so I came across um, this book or actually this podcast, but the podcast pointed me to a book that was written by Angela Davis of Black Panther Notoriety. And from what was written, it's not really a book, but a booklet. It might've been an essay that was then put into booklet form and it's being distributed over Amazon. And somebody wrote a review. I don't know if she wrote it herself, but somebody wrote a review and this review makes absolutely no sense to me. And I'll just share it with you, but you know, we're not going to jump into the main topics right now, but give you something to think about uh, when the phone lines are open on that topic. But let me read what somebody wrote because it makes absolutely no sense. And it, it helps to perpetuate this myth that the United States abolished slavery at any time during its history. We know that's not true because the 13th Amendment is the evidence of that. But this is what the person wrote as a review of this booklet, Are Prisons Obsolete? by Angela Davis. With her characteristic brilliance, grace, and radical audacity, Angela Y. Davis has put the case for the latest pay attention to these words, for the latest abolition movement in American life, the abolition of the prison. As she quite correctly notes, American life is replete with abolition movements. And when they were engaged in these struggles, their chances of success seem almost unthinkable. For generations of Americans, the abolition of slavery was sheerest illusion. Similarly, the entrenched system of racial segregation seemed to last forever, and generations lived in the midst of the practice, with few predicting its passage from custom. custom. The brutal exploitive, dare one say lucrative, convict lease system that succeeded formal slavery wreaked millions to southern jurisdictions and untold miseries for tens of thousands of men and women. I will also include children. You know, uh, South Carolina put a 14-year-old to death. His name was George Stinney. A uh, few predicted his passing from the American penal landscape. Davis expertly argues how social movements transformed the social, political, and cultural institutions and made such practices untenable. In our prisons obsolete, Professor Davis seeks to illustrate that the time for the prison is approaching the end. She argue, argues forthrightly for the declaration and argues, wait a minute, uh, forthrightly for decarceration and argues for the transformation of the society as a whole. So, again, I know that was sort of like some buckets of words and you can get confusing when it's a lot of words, but slavery never was abolished. How do you move to prisons without first abolishing slavery? You make the connection of post-American Civil War slavery, my term, not hers, but post-American Civil War slavery, and then saying that it, it was in, you suggest that it's ended, this is whoever wrote this, uh, suggest that it ended, and then it was replaced by uh, racial segregation, 
Well, racial segregation had been in practice. Racial segregation didn't come after um, the Civil War. It was it, it was written in the original slave codes of Virginia. Is when it uh, put forth white supremacist ideology in law and saying uh, restricting the movements and the rights of free black Americans that no, or free black colonists at the time that nobody wants to acknowledge that people just want to erase them from the historical timeline like they never existed uh, in, in America, okay? When these people absolutely did exist and the slave codes of Virginia in the 1600s for that colony not only regulated slavery and through the courts, I might add, this was a court court uh, decision and an order, okay? But it also introduced what we're calling racial segregation into uh, colonial America, if you will. So it wasn't like post-American slavery, then we moved to Jim Crow, racial segregation. We always were racially segregated and then moved on to to the convict leasing system and then you know now we're in in something else what this mythological thing called mass incarceration no we're talking about an unbroken chain of slavery the unbroken chain of slavery is what we're talking about the 13th amendment says it was never abolished i'm going with that and all everything else that they're talking about are symptoms of the original sin that has never been repented of nor stopped by this nation. And, that, and that's slavery. So if you don't understand that slavery was never abolished, then any steps that you are taking are out of order. They're illogical. Or else you're just treating symptoms and not trying to cure the disease. And we know that's what the pharmaceutical and medical industry gets accused of all the time. Giving you all of these different prescriptions and what have you that treat the symptoms, but, but you know, don't heal you of the disease, but you keep coming back to treat the symptoms. That's what prison abolition is. Because prison ab- prisons are... If you make the connection to the convict leasing system, if you make the connections to the privatization of prisons and them appearing on the stock market and then the explosion of building more prisons than you do uh, centers of learning or, or schools or whatnot and, and, and your priorities and funding, then with that profit motive, I mean, you have to keep going back to slavery. So we'll, we'll get into that. I didn't mean to drill down that deep into it. But um, we do have some other news stories of the day to share with you uh, real quickly. Um, Molly Tibbetts, that is the young white college student, um, young white woman in Iowa who turned up missing. Uh, It was blasted all over the national headlines. Uh, Molly Tibbetts missing college student. Nobody's heard from her. Um, even the FBI joined in the search, and unfortunately, they found a woman dead. She was described a short, a sharp object for something, some weird medical um, description of her death by the coroner 
no doubt. But like they were stabbing her with a, a sharp object, but it apparently wasn't penetrating the skin because why else would you not just say stab death or what have you? But with it being reported that the person who kidnapped her um, and ultimately killed her was an undocumented immigrant or refugee, then you had all of these, Donald Trump, he was doing it before her death and he they was using some other white woman who was a victim of an undocumented uh, person in LA. They was touting hers and so when Molly Tibbetts, it was discovered or suggested cause the lawyer is saying the dude is not undocumented, but that's neither here nor there. The uh, Donald Trump, people like Candace Owens and a number of right wing politicians, Republican politicians have used this, have appropriated this woman's image and likeness to use it as a hammer to hammer people into supporting their human rights violating immigration policy with uh, with uh, Jeff Sessions over there not enforcing federal law. Uh, he came in the door even with police brutality as an issue saying that they weren't going to be policing the police and these, uh, not, these consent agreements that you came into with the previous Department of Justice, oh, don't worry about those. We're not really worried about those consent decrees. We're not here to police you. And that's exactly what the Department of Justice is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about enforcing uh, uh, constitutional, a.k.a. civil rights. And civil rights don't just apply to citizens. They're covered in um, uh, uh, discriminating against people based on their national origin covers immigrants. And that's in the 64 Civil Rights Act. But they have been using this young woman um, as using her image and her likeness to really demonize and dehumanize people in that category based on their race, based on their national origin. Again, um, this is racism and xenophobia, but Molly Tibbetts' cousin had called out Candace Owens specifically. Uh, This was described like a fourth cousin, something like that, you know, a member of the family, but not, not, um, Really, you know somebody that spent a lot of time with Molly, but this person was upset with the appropriation of her name, her likeness, and her image uh, for this political propaganda, as, as they said, say. Um, this person went after uh, Candace Owens saying, we are not so effing small-minded that we generalize a whole population based on some bad individuals. Now stop being a effing snake and using my cousin's death as political propaganda, take your name, take her name out of your mouth. And this was directed at Candace Owens, who had sent a number of tweets that uh, may have totaled uh, close to 100,000 or more, uh, maybe half a million mentions and retweets and likes all combined, maybe approaching a half a million between uh, two tweets where she's using this this, uh, woman's a likeness, image, and name uh, to push a policy, a, a political policy agenda. Now, this is after Candace Owens, uh, over the past couple of days on Twitter, just got through so-called chastising Democrats for politicizing Aretha Franklin's funeral, I guess. So, you know, 
Isn't that exactly what she's doing, politicizing someone's death? And I didn't watch Aretha Franklin's funeral. I saw snippets of it, um, but it's not something that I was paying close attention to. Um, I was paying closer attention to the ongoing prison strikes that's going on and tweeting out information, exchanging information, and, and asking people, hey, what about them prison strikes, though? But anyway, getting back to this story, uh, Molly Tibbetts' father calls out these conservatives using this rhetoric around her, her name, her image, and her likeness, including Donald Trump. So uh, I think CNN prepared this report. We're going to give a quick listen to her father speaking on it or people speaking on her father speaking on it. The father of murdered Iowa college student Molly Tibbetts is telling lawmakers who are immigration hardliners to stop making her death political. Anti-immigrant sentiments in Iowa went from bad to worse once an undocumented man from Mexico was charged with Tibbetts' murder. And then racist robocalls targeting Latinos in Des Moines started. And now a grieving dad is joining other Iowans in a fight against the rising anti-immigrant rhetoric. Here's CNN's Paula Sandoval. Hey, Anna, you know, it's been about a week since the funeral of Molly Tibbetts was held. Since then, her family has been grieving in privacy. Well, yesterday, her father broke his silence with a message to politicians to stop using his daughter as a political pawn. You saw what happened to that incredible, beautiful young woman. Should have never happened. Illegally in our country. When some politicians and pundits have refused to listen, Molly Tibbetts' father says he had to ask again. In an op-ed in this weekend's Des Moines Register, Rob Tibbetts renewed his plea to have his murdered daughter left out of the immigration debate. He writes, some have ignored our request. They have instead chosen to callously distort and corrupt Molly's tragic death to advance a cause she vehemently opposed. Tibbetts' statement comes as nervousness and fear grow throughout the small farming region that was Molly's home. Because of the suspected killer's undocumented status, some members of Iowa's Latino community feel threatened. Last week, this graffiti was discovered on the street in Des Moines. Not in our city, responded officials on Twitter who later painted over the words. A white supremacist group has been calling Iowans with a message spewing hate calling for a white America in the name of Molly Tibbetts. She was stabbed to death by an invader from Mexico. Another sign of nerves in the Latino community, two local festivals celebrating that culture were postponed. One group cited Tibbetts' murder as the reason for the cancellation. Joe Henry, a local Latino leader, is worried about the troubling climate in this part of the country. Latinos are being threatened, uh, both in social media and in neighborhoods. A person came in from Mexico illegally and killed her. We need the wall. We need our immigration laws changed. Some conservatives remain firm in blaming current immigration laws for the fate of this promising 20-year-old. But her father insists Molly was nobody's victim. Do not appropriate Molly's soul in advancing views she believed were profoundly racist, he wrote in his op-ed nor is she a pawn in others' debate. Well, CNN also spent some time there in Brooklyn, Iowa, speaking to regular folks, many of whom uh, told CNN that, well, they do largely support immigrants. They recognize that they form a very crucial part in their farming 
economy. They do, however, support making E-Verify uh, a requirement throughout the state of Iowa. You recall that's that uh, federal system that allows employers to check out a person's uh, eligibility for working in the United States. The investigation, uh, Anna, has revealed that the suspect in this case was not screened through E-Verify. Blade Talk Radio News, Scotty Reed in on his broadcast from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Couple of things from that report. By the way, the number 704-802-5056. If you would like to make a comment on this story, hit star star to unmute yourself. Watch your background noise, but quick, quick things like this. One of the things that came to my mind was when people who say that these undocumented persons are coming here taking jobs from black people uh no because if it was your job that means that you created the job and so you're not you know what i'm saying if you create the jobs if you control the jobs then they are your jobs to hire whom you will but these are farmers who are hiring these undocumented you know you know the whiteness of iowa and other midwestern farming communities. They're predominantly white. Iowa is probably one of the whitest states uh, in the union, so to speak, or among the 50 states. And so if he wasn't verified, then he wasn't verified by a farmer in that community. If there were no jobs to be had, they wouldn't be coming here. And you know that they are not paying into social security they're not, they are paying into Social Security, but they're never going to draw it, okay? Just like black people doing Jim Crow before uh, the anti-discrimination regulations was put on the book due to Dr. King and others, you know, black people work as domestic workers and farm workers and, and you know, withholdings, tax withholdings, but they were barred from participating in the Social Security, National Social Security. They were barred for a long time. That's what's happening to these undocumented. And then, of course, they don't have to pay them what they would pay. Who they going to tell? They going to run to OSHA or, or the Department of Labor and say, hey, I'm an undocumented immigrant, and uh, this is a very unsafe place to work. See, they ain't worried about all of that. They ain't worried about paying them overtime based on the laws regulating overtime. So it, it's, it's not they taking nothing from black people. It's white people particularly these farmers, are giving these jobs to undocumented. So they're the root cause of, of the problem, not to mention a lot of these people are fleeing uh, tremendous amounts of violence and destabilization that came about as a result of U.S. policies indirectly and directly when we're talking about coups and re regime changes in South America. So at the end of the day, we know who, or we should know, who's the root cause of this problem, all right? The other thing uh, from that clip, her father called it racism. He called it racism. And it's also terrorism. When you have white supremacist sales that are even paying, I mean, they so bold as that they, somebody paid for robocalls, threatening people in Iowa. That Tell me that's not terrorism. That's terrorism. And somebody got paid to deliver 
those robocalls. That's aiding in, that's providing material support for terrorism. When is the United States government, I don't expect it during the Trump administration, especially with Jeff Sessions running the Department of Justice, but when are they going to, the United States are going to recognize that these white supremacists, Nazis, uh, nationalists, whatever they want to call, we know what their ideology is and start treating them like the terrorists that they are, which hasn't been done since the Grant administration. Again, how, how can you have peace or cohesion in a society when you allow members of that society to be targeted based on their race, religion, sex, gender, national origin, all things that are supposed to be outlawed in the United States. But again, we know the U.S. government has a history of supporting terrorism, even when they put those terrorists on a prohibited list. No, you can't get them no money or nothing like But we find the CIA be working with them groups anyway. These people, uh, white nationalism, white supremacy organizations like the Klan have been a terror, one of the oldest, not one of the old, oldest, but the oldest organized terrorist organizations in North America. And we just accept this, that, hey, we they have a First Amendment right to say kill niggers. They have a First Amendment right to say murder Muslims. They have a First Amendment right to push all of this hateful, genocidal, violent, violent, radicalizing language out there into the public. And, and, you know, we're supposed to just be okay with it. There's a reason the Marine Corps has decided that they're no longer okay with white supremacists in their ranks because they're terrorists and they destroy the community. They prevent cohesion in a society except for they're just looking at it in terms of the Marine Corps it's time out for that so I applaud the Tibbetts family for calling racism what it is calling out the human of uh, the dehumanizing language that is being used by these individuals primarily the president of the United States who was featured in, in that clip. So so we're going to move on. I don't see anybody has a question or comment on that. So let's move on to the next thing that's in the news. Colin Kaepernick is in the news. The Bleacher Report is reporting that Nike is featuring Colin Kaepernick for its Just Do It campaign, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary. As I stated, Bleacher Report says that Nike has selected San Francisco, former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick as the face of his Just Do It campaign, which is celebrating his 30th anniversary. Darren Rovell of ESPN reported the choice of Kaepernick, who started the movement to kneel during the United States National Anthem to protest racial injustice 
in August of 2016. I, I wonder if people realize that he did that in August for a reason, not just because it was, um, you know, because the NFL season begins in September. They got games coming up, I think, next week, starts the regular season. He picked August because that's known as what? Black August. And historical uh, black-led movements against injustice, human rights violations, against slavery. Black August and uh, Colin Kaepernick added to that tradition. Uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports later reported that Kaepernick and Nike, Nike agreed to a new contract despite being with the company since 2011. Robinson added that interest from other shoe companies played a part in the new agreement. So that means that other brands were trying to make Colin Kaepernick the face of his branch. Now in terms of propaganda, this is this is a big deal. With the president of the United States and other suspected racist terrorists out there just really heaping a whole lot of abuse upon Colin Kaepernick. I think a member of the New Jersey GOP party, we might have reported last week or I read over the weekend um, resigned after referring to kneeling NFL players as baboons. Did y'all see that story? Yeah. So um, when you got all of that going on and then Colin Kaepernick just standing, standing pat, standing, you know, on his principles and um, going ahead with his lawsuit. So um, it appears that there's a shift in corporate America. Corporate America, hey, I guess uh, if they can endorse Papa John and continue relationship with Papa John, then hell, uh, we may uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick the face of, of a campaign and everything that he stands for. So it's no small thing in terms of propaganda and what Colin Kaepernick has stood for, uh, which he states he's never done this for simply himself. Let me see, per Robinson, the contract is a wide endorsement where Kaepernick will have his own branded line, including shoes, shirts, jerseys, and more. According to Robertson, Kaepernick signed a star contract that puts him level with a top-end NFL player worth a million per year plus royalties. I am not going to stand up to show pride in the flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, he told Steve Weish of NFL media about the decision two years ago. To me, this is bigger than football and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. And it goes on to document how he opted out his contract and later filed a collusion grievance against the NFL claiming that he was kept out of the league because of his protest against racism. And uh, as was reported last week, I think uh, his argument received a boost when the arbitrator for his collusion case against, against the NFL ruled against the NFL's motion to dismiss uh, Kaepernick's case and ruling that there was enough evidence to require a full hearing. So uh, congratulations to Kaepernick, all of the activity that he has been engaged in through his nonprofit organization. Know Your Rights is one of those uh, foundations. Uh, and people wonder, how is he going to make money? You know, how he's going to earn a living? So apparently, you know, this is an answer to, to that. 
So moving on. Speaking of Donald Trump, speaking of Donald Trump, he's just a common thread in the news, isn't he? Um, Donald Trump doesn't seem to understand or doesn't care. You take your pick of how the different branches of the government are supposed to work or how his own branch, the executive branch, is supposed to work. I mean, this man has definitely used the Oval Office as a bully pulpit to inappropriately influence ongoing criminal investigations to, I would say, also tamper with future jury pools, tampering with the jury. That's the crime. And we'll have in these various criminal cases involving his associates and then people who just simply endorsed him in his campaign um, as Trump is now calling out Jeff Sessions over charges against the GOP congressman ahead of the midterm. So in case y'all don't know, there was a congressman. What is this guy's name? Him and his wife were facing charges for using a Wounder Warriors type nonprofit charity they set up and and they were living, taking vacations and spending uh, lavish amounts of money on, on merchandise and golf clubs and all kind of stuff instead of helping the veterans that they were supposed to be helping. And so they were indicted on fraud and, and probably embezzlement related charges. And this was a city member of the GOP. And um, so he's claiming, oh, these charges are politically based and not based on the financials of this foundation, all your spending, all the receipts, and oh, no, this is just political. This isn't me uh, committing an act of fraud, spending these people's donated money on something other than what the mission of the organization was supposed to be about. And so Donald Trump today attacked the Justice Department for indicting two Republican congressmen ahead of the fall's midterm elections, he admonished Attorney General Jeff Session for potentially robbing the GOP of two easy wins in November. So that tells you right then and there, Donald Trump is not concerned about justice. He's not concerned about if there's any validity to the criminal charges against him. These are people who are loyal to him, and loyalty is the biggest thing to him. He doesn't. It doesn't matter what the law says or or his oath. To uphold the Constitution, it, that does not matter. That's clear. Donald Trump is a criminal, an unindicted criminal, and has operated this this way for probably most of his adult life. So here he is again, not understanding or not caring that the office of the president can't do that. That's actually against federal law. Um, not not so much about the uh, criminal cases that he commented commenting on, but remember he was very vocal about Colin Kaepernick and saying um, interjecting himself into a private labor dispute between the NFL and a private citizen that is prohibited by federal law. But again, these people don't care. They they pick and choose what laws they're going to enforce, and they pick and choose who they're going to enforce laws against. So we have anything but a system of justice. We have a system of slavery in this country. And it's mighty funny, though, that Donald Trump 
over the weekend was talking about, uh, he, he tweeted, um, retweeted somebody's post talking about the police state and suggesting that Donald Trump is the victim of the police state. But Donald Trump has always supported the police state. Remember, this is a man who took out a full page ad in the New York Times during the Central Five investigation and trial of five young boys, I think it was only five, five young boys who were alleged to have raped this white woman in Central Park, hence the Central Park Five. He took out an ad to do what? To tamper with the potential jury pool, to persuade them to vote guilty, regardless of what the evidence showed. Donald Trump has operated in this manner for a very long time. And he's still doing it. So, just it's just more evidence about the oppression and the repression that we live under. So before they talk about some other country, um, we need to uh, talk about home first. All right, so let me see if there's another story coming up on the station identification break. Uh, there is another story, uh, and this one is related to the prison strikes, and then we're going to take a station identification break and some music, play some music and come back and I'm going to hit these topics. Again, if you have a question or comment, I may not do be able to do the full two hours. It's after the first of the month. We have some reports to compile and information to get out to our donors and clients. The Black Talk Media Project, that is, and all of that information comes available after the first. So if we don't have any calls that is going to use up some of the time, then I will definitely wrap it up. Hey, Scotty, um, can you hear me? Uh, yes, uh, we got Max Partis on the line. Um, before I jump into this strike at an immigration detention center, strengthens the national prison strike movement, we're going to hear from abolitionist Max Partis. What's going on, Max? Uh, peace, Brother Scotty. I just wanted to uh, know if you had heard of some of the new articles and what they're saying about the movement to amend the 13th and end modern-day slavery. Uh, one just came out today. From a magazine, I believe it's called uh, Jacoby or, or something like that, where they were basically saying that this idea to associate prison slavery or portray prison slavery uh, as or mass incarceration as prison slavery in the way they're doing it now and associating it with the 13th Amendment is the most innovative intervention that they have come up with so far. Uh, at first, I was waiting. I was uh, thinking they was going to give say something negative, like this is the most ridiculous proposal that I have ever seen. But uh, so I was taken by surprise there, Max. So you're saying it's the most innovative what? Let me read it verbatim, okay? It says, prison slavery and protracted struggle. The start of the 2018 national prison strike also fell on the anniversary of that Turner's 1831 Rebellion in Southampton County, Virginia, further connecting the ongoing prison-led resistance to the system of chattel slavery in ways both subtle and overt, recasting mass incarceration as prison slavery, usually by the way of the 13th Amendment, is perhaps the growing movement's most innovative intervention. In other words, strategy, which is something that that you and I have talked about and other abolitionists for quite some time. Um, 
everybody's talk calling it something that it ain't coming up with new terms to describe something that already has a name and not only already has a name, but that name is recorded in the Supreme law of the land. And that's the 13th amendment of the U S constitution. So, so, uh, you know, I, I agree with them. That was the intent. I, I think it's a watershed moment that they're starting to realize that because we've been fighting the same fight for a very long time. And here is an opportunity to really manage it correctly through this 13th amendment, uh, crime against humanity that we are saying is actually happening. So that was awesome. And the other thing I wanted to share with you, and I already did privately, and that's about the uh, Netflix taking out this huge ad in the New Yorker. And I thought it was like a page or two, but it's not in print, it's on their magazine, but they got like 10 pages of nothing but the 13th Amendment and how it recreated slavery in the New York Times. Yeah, it was published online too because you tagged me in it in BTR community. So, um, yes, I was going to share that news today. It's 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 appropriate to bring it up now. But as I you mentioned our private conversation earlier today, you know, apparently we have a abolitionist friend uh, working on the board of Netflix because, um, contrary to popular belief or or wrong belief. Ava DuVernay did not hash the ideal to do a documentary of the 13th. Although her role and her expertise in doing documentaries is greatly appreciated and, and just as her participation in spreading awareness about the prison strike right now um, is very much appreciated. But it was a board member, I don't have a name, but it was reported that one of their executives came up with the ideal to do a documentary based on the 13th Amendment and exception clause. And we thought the documentary could have been better by having on real slavery abolitionists. Only think there was one, the guy who hosts prison radio. I think he was the only one who was speaking in uncertain terms that this is slavery rooted in the 13th Amendment. So, but still, it, it, it still helped advance the narrative and put the 13th Amendment before people's uh, um, um, consciousness. And so I appreciate Netflix for doing that or whoever at Netflix is responsible for continuing to invest money in the promotion of not an ideal, but the fact that slavery was never abolished in this country. Now, on to this other news, strike. And, and I agree with this from thinkprogress.org. Again, I've spoken on this in the past. We, you know, you can be a black nationalist, you can be a pan-Africanist, and you could be about your people. But that doesn't mean that you have to be oblivious to justice, that you have to stand by while grave human rights crimes are being committed against people outside your group, usually another non-white group, okay? Usually a non-white group. So the fact that we don't even have, let's say in the black community, 100% participation in this movement as abolitionists, as I've been documenting, you, we can't even get black journalists or the National Association of Black Journalists to even push anything, any article, support, or report 
Because if you're, you know, practicing journalism, you're you're supposed to report the news objectively, but they're not even reporting on it. Not even sharing. They're sharing all type of different news related to different things, everybody, everything but modern slavery. So if we can't even get 100% participation within a group, then it makes sense to look for abolitionist comrades among other groups. Makes sense to me. You can't sit around uh, waiting on mass consciousness to come about. You, You have to act on the information that you have. Can't sit around waiting on others to get it. You got to get it with whoever you going to get, whoever going to get it with you. That's what Malcolm X was saying. I'll work with anybody as long as they trying to change this miserable condition that exists on this earth. So me as an abolitionist saying, I'll work with anybody. I don't care your race, your sex, your national origin. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is human rights for all and bringing an end to slavery. So, I agree with this headline from Think Progress. I thought whoever this organizer is, perhaps I'll get their name. Let me close this ad. And and it's saying that a strike at an immigration detention center strengthens the national prison strike movement. It's all slavery, an organizer said, comparing ICE detention centers and prisons. Of course, they're the same. Across the United States, prisoners are going on strike, and so are undocumented immigrants being held in detention centers. As of Friday, there were 62 people on strike at the Northwest Detention Center in Tacoma, Washington. Activists told Think Progress. On Saturday, organizers held a rally near the detention center, demanding an end to what they call retaliation by staff against the people held there. The demonstrations, which begin on August the 21st and will continue until September the 9th, have been held in prisons in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, California, Ohio, Indiana, New Mexico, Florida, and Texas, according to the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. Some incarcerated people are refusing to work and others are refusing to eat. They have 10 national demands, including paying prisoners the prevailing wage in their state, better prison conditions, funding for more rehabilitation services and rescinding the Prison Litigation Reform Act, which critics say made it harder for detained individuals to advocate for themselves, meaning a legal framework for them to present their human rights grievances before a body, which is in the Declaration of Human Rights, by the way, the Universal Declarations, being able to present your case. Uh, Weeks before the strikes got underway last month, one of the organizers, Jailhouse Lawyer Speak, released a statement of solidarity with people detained by Immigration Customs and Enforcement. In an interview with Shadowproof, one individual who helped organize the protests likened the detention centers to cages. As far as the connection with ICE and why we're in solidarity, the biggest reason is because we understand those cages. And not only that, but it's all the same system. And this is something that JLS has been promoting from day one. The entire system itself, the judicial system, the injustice system, is all a big ball of corruption. Uh, Let me jump down. Um, There was another quote. Here it is. The organizer speaking anonymously alleged that human rights violations, some again, Malcolm X was pointing to, actively working on, 
and some Dr. King after his uh, speech against why I'm against the war in Vietnam, he said it's time to move from civil rights to human rights. And that's ultimately when you're talking human rights, you're talking about all human beings. That applies to everyone. And all humans, in, in my opinion, in a system based on justice, care about the rights of all humans. I mean, how can you want justice but don't want to practice justice? Or you want people to take a position on your mistreatment, but you're not willing to take a position on their mistreatment. Who wins in the end? The slavers win in the end. That's who wins. The people in charge of the system. Uh, let me see. Is there anything else in here? So, I mean, it just makes sense. And not only is there solidarity between ICE detainees through the private prisons, um, they have filed, filed a lawsuit, not just recently, but we reported on it on New Abolitionist Radio, filed their own lawsuit citing federal laws against slavery. And as Angela Chan, an immigration uh, attorney who penned an article that was published in the Huffington Post, said slavery was never abolished. And even with the fact that it never abolished slavery, when you apply it to immigrants, it still doesn't apply because they haven't been convicted of criminal crimes. They haven't been duly convicted on any in the criminal court. These are civil infractions. And you forcing them to work and not paying them is a violation of their human rights and section, uh, excuse me, Article 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states that slavery is prohibited in all its forms. So, this strength, this definitely strengthens the abolition, the slavery abolitionist movement, okay? Because I'm not going to sit around and keep begging, give me just a second, I hear somebody, I'm not going to keep begging uh, people like Boyce Watkins be part of the abolitionist movement, spread abolition, slavery abolition, and the fact that slavery was never abolished. You spoke on it on the, in the past when I brought it to your attention, but you know, uh, you're not consistently speaking on it. And, and who's the greatest or the worst rapper? It seems to be what you're distracting our people with. Uh, Roland Martin, I'm not going to keep begging you to report on the prison strike or or to recognize that slavery was never abolished and be a part of the new abolitionist. Ra- I'm not going to keep begging people. Okay, there are plenty of people who don't look like me who see that this is slavery and ready to put it on the line, risking their lives through hunger strikes and retaliating in the system, expressing their solidarity with those in the abolitionist movement. I, why should I sit around waiting on some 100% unity within the group when I could just work with those who are willing to put in the work re, without any restrictions based on skin color and all that type of jazz? Um, whoever that was was wanting to speak real quick, get your comments in. I'm going to uh, take a station break and some music break, so get it back in right now. Uh, that was Max. Go ahead, Max. Yes. I want to read an announcement that came out a couple of days ago from the Abolished Slavery Colorado. <clears throat> they said, yesterday we launched the Amendment A campaign to remove slavery and involuntary servitude from the Colorado Constitution. As many of you know, this same campaign failed in 2016 by less than 1% because the ballot language was confusing. This time, the language is clear. Yes, on Amendment A, removes slavery and involuntary servitude from the state 
Constitution. And then they go on with a thank you and a list of representatives who are supporting this movement in Colorado. All right. Shout out to Colorado. History. Mm. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Max. Thank you. So this is definitely a movement. This is a movement now, not that we needed the mainstream to validate this movement, but everything we've been seeing since 2013, every week on New Abolitionist Radio, every day through social media, and producing propaganda to spread this knowledge about the 13th never abolishing slavery. Now, it has been acknowledged in the mainstream as, hey, these people are not a bunch of fringe conspiracy theorists. The 13th Amendment actually says and does exactly what they said it does. So, yes, I agree. Watershed moment. All right, you're listening to New Ab- excuse me, BTR News with Scotty Reed broadcasting from behind these Emmy lines. We're going to take a station identification break, kick a couple of music tracks, and then when we come back, I want to tackle these free speech absolutists like Jimmy Dore, Laura Ingram, those on the left and the right, who says that white supremacist terrorist suspects have a right to radicalize people on privately held social media platforms. Well, the Marine, U.S. Marine Corps says that's nonsense and we're not going to tolerate white supremacists in our ranks. And if you know a white supremacist, if you see something, say something, report them. We'll be right back. Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. For the prestige, not for me, but to uplift my little brothers who are sleeping in concrete floors today in America. Black people who are living on welfare. Black people who can't eat. Somebody in the house say yeah. If I really like to rock the funky beats, somebody in the house say hell yeah. I like that for the people up top. Check this out. Now who's the best, who's the worst in this here rap game? The one that claims to be. 
be the best, they judge him by your chain. By your chain? Or the set that he claim. And they say that he bang. Or that gang sign ish is getting lame. Real lame. Too much swag and you wearing it. Ain't no guy that you're fearing. Too much drag in your appearance. Too many listeners ain't hearing. Too many rappers catching balls. No pass interference. Now I don't know how laying on my back feels. Uh-huh. Like a quarterback sacked in the backfield. Yeah. I run the 40 flat. Strapped with a black steel. Along with 40 cats that were black if you act ill. See, I ain't talking about rims with the fat wheels. Nope. Most blacks just rap for a rap deal. I mean, act for a rap deal. Yeah. Ain't never touch a gap, but he chat like he cat pill. Right. I'm from a city where pigs kill and rats quill. Uh. No bass pro where they go to get their fish scale. No fish fry, they ship it to make that shit sell. So much blow, I swear it could make a ship sell. Yeah. Unemployment's at the top of the list. list. Young girls trip to get dough, she giving top of the list. And hope a dope boy cop him a whip or put ice on the wrist. All it takes is a bottle of crisp to make her feel like a modern chick. Uh-huh. Her father the prick. He left when his daughter was sick. So crackhead just chasing the fix. Niggas hate when I spit. Yeah. I ain't talking about purchasing bricks. Come double bag is a purse for a chick. I made to resist. Gorilla inmates will fill up a clip. Heartless like the voice of a snitch. You gone quick. Uh. Passion to thug life. I'm giving thugs life. Lost to a gift of a father and being hugged tight. The hood ain't right. Cause the night Shook was born. I don't think that he planned to be Shook Knight. Forbidden fruit. Apple bottoms is the appetite. My car speak for itself. Michael Knight. Dad locked up. So before he learned how to fly a kite or ride a bike, he had to ride a kite. But it can't be. Somehow the ants coordinate their actions so that large insects are overwhelmed, killed, and carried back to the base. Pairs is dying, and my people are suffering. The money's still low, you should see how they budgeting. Watch what comes out your mouth. People are suffering. It's elementary, they want to smoke on eventually. Pairs is dying, people are suffering. The money's still low, you should see how they budgeting. Pairs is dying, and my people are suffering. Cause the money's still low, they want to smoke on eventually. I swear to God, living in this economy's like a robbery. The government taxing me when they owe me for my property. You niggas act like you happy to live in poverty When I feel like a king, they gotta make these fools acknowledge me I'm royalty and loyal to the feeling of it The contrast make it look thuggish We talk, walk, and look ruggish Naturally, nothing sad to see We all a part of this tragedy I'm mad at you, so why you mad at me? We headed for the times of the nine, watch out six Sun cycle on the rise, moon cycle out the 
mix Living on this planet of the snakes and the crucifix Pardon self as I arc my way through marching with my A-boom boom making my debut Like great balls of fire, nothing can save you in these replenishing times I honor my dead, making my ancestors proud when it's off with your head Does my pencil possess potential to change mentals? Yes, sure what you can in this pack with the essential less What is essential to keep it the sharpest against you? Yes, what is essential to keep it like a temple? Bless, alter the temple, keeping the beat simple and fresh While they whimper and rest, I'm intuition like the simplest guess Into tradition, I'm on a mission until I transition To give the up and coming a better existence I've seen a regular scorn reaching for a point or two The older we get, it switches up the point of view And they anointed you, leader of the free world Desolate minds refined to the B-girl The most benevolent is evident who I be Graffiti on the wall, the crew, Drew Ali Zoo to our key, shifting on the paradigm Raise the vibration, then go prepare the mind Define magnificent rare gem Dig deep, the omnipotent All-seeing, I just peep The game plan, I pray for niggas, amen Fat Sharpie, spray can, I'm made man The suede bands, no street skating, no beat taking For Pete's sake, he's a beast quaking, the scene's shaking No mistaking, the ants conquer the elephants FTP, RBG, the rest of elephants What's the answer? And welcome back to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. So I want to get to this main topic about, well, there's a couple of topics that I want to cover um, as quickly as possible. Not going to rush through it, though, but the Marines are dealing a blow to free speech absolutists. Um, Somebody left on one of my YouTube channels, excuse me, on the Black Talk Radio Network's YouTube channel. I had posted um, one of the podcasts from an earlier broadcast. So, you know, we distribute through different means of the media that we produce. So somebody said I was looking for clicks by calling Jimmy Dore out on this nonsense about free speech absolutism. Jimmy Dore, along with others on the left and even black people, was standing up for the supposed rights of Alex Jones to radicalize white people to white supremacy. Sometimes he does it in subtle, but also not so subtle ways. Although I think what mainly got him kicked off off of uh, Facebook and other platforms was his demonization of the family members of the Sandy Hook victims, those children who were murdered in that school by Adam Lanza. I think that was his last name. But anyway, uh, Alex Jones was saying this was a hoax. Just like people are saying, you know, I learned in the past few days that Charlottesville, where Heather Heyer was run down by a white supremacist terrorist, that that never happened. That was a media creation it it was never happened they all colluded together to produce they hired a bunch of actors to go that's the type of stuff that alex jones and people like him traffic in okay and so but jimmy Dore was saying hey if they come after alex then they could come after me well no they can't come after me well they can come after me because number one is their private platforms um number two if I blatantly violate their terms of service and I and they constantly get complaints, 
and my content being flagged by users of the community, I say platform owners, managers, what have you, and I am one, we have a right to prohibit white supremacist ideology, white nationalist ideology, um, any type of disinformation. We have a right to prohibit that from our platforms. Even heard Laura Ingram saying that Facebook and Twitter, these are private companies started by individuals or groups of individuals, uh, sought investors money. Some even used their own money to launch. Okay, saying that they should be taken over by the government. Now, if that ain't some fascist type stuff right there, that's what Laura Ingram is calling for. But at the same time, these people want you to salute the flag for some non-existent freedoms that they don't even believe in. She thinks that private platform owners, managers, content creators should be taken over by the federal government because allegedly they've been suppressing the voice of white nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis. So this is an affront to the First Amendment. No, no, it's not. So... Now we have the Marine Corps, which is a branch in the United States military. Don't ask me why this isn't a Pentagon-wide directive. I don't know. I can't answer that. But the, I can report to you that the Marine Corps has moved to tackle racial extremists in their ranks. Uh, ProPublica which actually uh, did some reports exposing a couple of Marines for uh, one of them was at Charlottesville, even bragged about beating people and what have you. Uh, other Marines in North Carolina unfurled a, a, a racist propaganda banner, unfurled it at a building in North Carolina. These are acts of terrorism. Now just ask yourself, if that, if that was an ISIS flag that they unfurled, and they were Muslims, and they had had on a traditional Muslim garb or or whatever the ISIS uniform, and they they did that in America. Nobody would be questioning their prosecution. Okay, nobody would be questioning that. But if you're a white supremacist neo-Nazi, then people like Jimmy Dore say, "Hey, the First Amendment covers your right to freedom of speech." Where the Marine Corps doesn't agree with that. The United States Marine Corps has taken steps to combat racial extremists in its ranks, issuing an updated order emphasizing that participation in white supremacists and other groups is prohibited and encouraging service members to report fellow Marines involved with such groups. The actions come after an active duty Marine was documented taking part in last year's deadly white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, and two others were arrested after hanging a racist banner off a building in North Carolina. The order reaffirms the Marine Corps' commitment to maintaining a culture of dignity, respect, and trust in which all members of the organization are afforded equal opportunity to achieve their full potential based solely upon individual merit, fitness, intellect, and ability. Major Brian Block a Marine spokesman said. And as I mentioned, ProPublica, in addition with Frontline investigation last year, revealed that Villa Vasileos G. Pistolis, I mean, he, he sounds like either he's Italian or or 
Yeah, it sounds like an, enti- uh, an Italian. A Marine based at Cap Lejeune, North Carolina, had engaged in a series of assaults during the Char- Charlottesville rally. Pistolas, who had been a member of the white extremist group known as uh, Adam Waffen Division, was subsequently subjected to a court martial and forced from the court. Postolis told ProPublica and Frontline that he had left the racist group and that he had not been present in Charlottesville. However, there are photographs, video, and text messages that make clear he was indeed there. Um, the military, t- and it goes on to talk about two other ones who who hung a banner with a white power slogan from a building in Graham, North Carolina. This occurred in May of 2017. They have been administratively separated from the organization Black Black Confirmed. Like every branch of the service, the Marine Corps has regulation that bars members from participating in racial extremist groups, but the updated policy clarifies language on prohibited conduct, chiefly by explicitly identifying supremacist activity as forbidden. It also consolidates many previous orders, a large number of which haven't been updated in years and aims to tighten accountability when rules of conduct are violated. The updated policy encourages service members who see their peers engaging in prohibited behavior to report them through various channels. So I don't know if the U.S. Army, the U.S. Air Force, or the U.S. Navy is going to issue a similar directive, update their policies, but for too long, We've been hearing about white supremacist, racist terrorists joining the United States military to get training. And then I came across a story where they then take those skills and train uh, these members of these terrorist cells. So this is a real threat to um, the stability of the United States, but particularly the Marines is, is recognizing this is a a threat to the core itself. Imagine, if you will, being in a foxhole or let's say you're in a, a platoon and your squad, let's say a four-man, five-man squad, and we're out dug in a foxhole on our post somewhere and we come under fire and I got to worry about this white supremacist next to me as a black person I, or, or a person of the Muslim faith or a Jewish person. And I got to worry about what this white supremacist going to do. He likely to shoot me just as much as whoever the so-called designated enemy is. And why should I be willing to serve alongside a terrorist? Why? Why? That makes absolutely no sense. And, And so are the free speech absolutists like Jimmy Dore and Laura Ingram going to rebuke the Marine Corps for re- for using common sense to know that you can't have stability, you can't have cohesion among the ranks if you got ter- racist terrorists among the ranks. Like the non-white people are not going to take issue with those people. Hell, we might frag them ourselves. And that has happened and on the battlefield in Iraq where where a, a captain was uh, openly allowing the use of racist, dehumanizing terms, calling people saying niggers and other derogatory terms for Muslim. And then this one Muslim said he was sick of it. 
And when they was in the command tent, you know, doing whatever they was doing, he rolled a grenade in there. All right. So they they recognized this is a threat. So they're taking action. And, and I don't see how anybody could be against that sort of action. And I don't see how then you could then make the argument that Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or anybody else, or the Black Talk Media Project with btrcommunity.com, that we have to give us space, make room in our ranks for these terrorists. You've lost your mind. You're, you're not thinking logically. All right, next story before I get ready to wrap it up. Not going to spend a whole lot of a whole lot of time on this, but this is just an addendum to our show on New Abolitionist Radio, which I help co-host and produce with Max Parthis. Um, Max has been trying to get with Angela Davis as she seems to be the mother of this prison abolition movement to get some clarity upon exactly what she's asking for, what she's pushing for with prison abolition, and if it's not, putting the cart before the horse. So, Max hasn't heard back from her. Um, we really didn't get, I would say, a cohesive plan from our guest last week on New Abolitionist Radio, people who classify themselves as prison abolitionists. But um, this seems to be what I read at the beginning. I'll read again. This seems to be what she's at. Our prisons obsolete. Let me just answer that question. First of all, as long as slavery is the law of the land, prisons will never become obsolete. And like Max said to me on the phone, all right, that's like saying plantations are obsolete without abolishing slavery, which we know was never abolished and which never stopped practicing slavery. Even when that slave labor was then declared to be free, but then duly convicted under laws targeting them and then leased out by the so-called convict leasing system right back on those plantations, right back where they started from in a, in a state of slavery. So it, it, even when I read this, it makes no sense to me. And this isn't her words. And I'm not going to spend the $10 to purchase the little booklet. Um, but if somebody knows where where this might be published online, uh, please direct me to it so we can get more information. But this is what a reviewer wrote. I don't know. She could have wrote it herself. I just simply didn't know. Don't know because they didn't put a name on the Amazon listing for our prisons. Absolutely obsolete. But this is what they wrote. With her characteristic brilliance, grace, and radical audacity, Angela Y. Davis has put the case for the latest abolition movement in American life, the abolition of the prison. As she quite correctly notes, American life is replete with abolition movements, and when they were engaged and, and when they were engaged in these struggle struggles, their chances of success seem almost unthinkable. All right, first of all, as I pointed out on a BTR news broadcast last week, if you Google slave, if you Google abolition, don't don't put prison abolition, don't put slavery abolition. But if you put the term 
uh, abolition in a search engine, 99% of the results is going related to slavery abolition. Okay? Historically, the only abolition that has lasted, that there was no confusion about and what they were talking about is slavery abolitionists. Other people can call themselves abolitionists or whatnot, but historically that term has always been reserved for slavery. All right. So I don't know of any other abolitionist movements in the United States. I may have heard of some that was, let's say we want to abolish alcohol and they did have alcohol prohibition for quite some time, which gave rise to a lot of violence and uh, illicit profits for gangs and what have you. So I'm aware of that, that ability to abolish alcohol. I'm aware of that movement. But again, when you think about abolition, you don't think about alcohol. Maybe some people who are out to abolish abortions might consider themselves to be abolitionists. Well, they may be in their minds. But again, when you are using the term abolition, it is tied to slavery. Now, I could see if slavery had been abolished, then you might could be talking about abolishing something else. But the fact that slavery has never been abolished, how can you be talking about anything else? without talking about that. Sure, we can have a conversation about if these prisons need to be torn down and we create and make it part of an infrastructure project to turn them into rehabilitation centers uh, equipped to educate and treat people with mental illness as well as uh, medical conditions like lead poisoning, that might be why they act so violent and what have you with undiagnosed ailments and what have you. So, I mean, we can talk about that. While we're talking about slavery abolition, but if you're talking about just reducing the number and reducing it to zero, then slavery abolition is the logical pathway towards that because once you abolish slavery, then you don't have the need to keep quote unquote incarcerating people. Therefore you will start to close these prisons because you don't have the bodies to occupy them. So it goes on to say for generations of Americans, the abolition of slavery was sheerest illusion. Similarly, the entrenched system of racial segregation seemed to last forever. So again, the, these are speaking of things in past tense as if they don't exist anymore. Yes, Dr. King and others were successful in ending racial segregation by getting a law prohibiting racism in labor and what else? Labor and law. So yes, but we still see that without government implement implementation, which means to invest in these various communities, we still see the impact of seg segregation today. When we talk about the wealth disparities, that's, that's related to segregation, but again, rooted in slavery. 
So saying that generations lived in the midst of these practices with few predicting its passage from custom, which means that these things aren't being practiced anymore. It's like she's saying racism is over, really, or not she, whoever wrote this. They're basically saying racism don't exist. They on some Candace Owens type thinking here. Because you're saying that racial segregation, all of that has passed from custom. That means they don't practice it anymore. Oh my God. So I don't know what world these people live in, but it's not the one I live in. The brutal exploit of dare one say lucrative convict lease system that succeeded formal slavery reaped millions to Southern jurisdictions and untold misery for tens of thousands of men and women. Now, what 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 is formal slavery? Okay, what what does that mean? How much formal can you get then to name or to prescribe slavery and involuntary servitude as a punishment for crime in the U.S. Constitution? How much formality can exist? So again, what's this formal slavery that they're speaking of? as if we're not speaking of formal slavery today. And it's reaping um, untold miseries, not on tens of thousands of men and women, but on upwards of two million men, women, and children. Few predicted it's passing from the American penal landscape. Again, they're saying the convict leasing system don't exist no more. Then then why do you call it when these corporations lease the services provided by prisoners, whether it's ans- doing uh, call center work for State Farm or answering phones for anyone like Unicor, if it's doing any kind of work, picking fruit, picking vegetables, processing meat, fish, and poultry. What what is that if they ain't leasing these prison slaves? It's a, it's a leasing system. Using people can, duly convicted. If that ain't convict leasing, I don't know what it is. So again, you have to question what kind of world or even the reality that people like this are speaking in. It means that they are not acknowledging these very conditions happening right now. And none of it has passed away. It's just been refined. Davis expertly argues how social movements transformed the social, political, and cultural institution and made such practices untenable. Again, talking about the end, the institutions that are still with us. Because if you're going to say that they are in, uh, were untenable, that means that, hey, they were difficult to continue to practice and they've ended because they were so untenable, couldn't maintain it. That's to say racism don't exist. Institutional racism doesn't exist. We don't have a problem with racist terrorists killing killing people. We don't have a problem with racism in our government. This is nonsense. Is this an educated person? I don't care how many degrees they might have and who gave them those degrees. But can we asking, can this be an educated person to declare things to not exist that clearly exist? In our prisons, absolute, obsolete, 
Professor Davis seeks to illustrate that the time for prisons is approaching the end. She argue, argues forthrightly for decarceration and argues for the transformation of the society as a whole. So why can't she argue forthrightly for end of slavery? How can you declare an approaching end to prison during a time when the United States has more prisoners than any nation on the face of the earth? And not just the prisons, but the jails, the immigration detention facilities, the child detention facilities. How do you figure that they're approaching the end? I see no end to it unless I see that light at the end of, of the tunnel that results in the United States actually abolishing slavery, which begins with the removal of the exception clause from the U.S. Constitution, which therefore will compel the other states with the same exception clauses to remove theirs. Because the U.S. Constitution, federal law trumps state laws. That's the only way I see an end to anything and this is some intellectual dishonesty going on here. This person is absolutely in denial about racism still existing and slavery still being practiced through the prisons or, and I will have to ask them what's their motive for trying to hide the fact that slavery still exists in these institutions as they call them these practices, these customs are still very much in effect. This is why I cannot take prison abolition serious because I have come across no serious discourse concerning the issue of slavery versus prison abolition. All right, as Matt mentioned, we are living in exciting times as the world is finally realizing that the United States never abolished slavery. We have, as he mentioned on his call, Netflix paying for an ad. I don't know how much this ad cost them. Ask Donald Trump. He took out a full-page ad in the New York Times to demonize the Central Park Five and make sure they didn't get a fair trial jury tampering. Now you have Netflix, which funded and also promoted um, the Aver DuVernay directed documentary, The 13th, which was Oscar nominated. Netflix invested a lot of money to win it an Oscar, which it did not, but it's considered an honor to have been nominated as best documentary, but here we have Netflix investing more money in abolitionism, slavery abolitionism, by taking out a full page ad in New York Times, pointing out that 152 years later, due to a loophole in the 13th Amendment, the practice of slavery and involuntary servitude exists in the U.S. prisons. So thank you to whoever that abolitionist is working for Netflix that continues, continues to use their resources to put this information out to the people. So, again, these are just sowing seeds 
and who knows what the ground that you plant this seed in may turn out to be. You know, you're planting information in people's minds. And and then who knows what a young person out there, an old person, any person will realize that slavery was never abolished and who they may be motivated to become who they might become the next Sojourner Truth, the next Harriet Tubman, the next Frederick Douglass, the next John Brown. Who knows who it might inspire? But one thing is for certain, a new abolitionist movement to about a slavery in the United States does exist. One, thank Max for calling in with his questions and comments um, concerning slavery and the strides that we're making in the abolitionist movement. I want to thank those who tuned in and please continue continue to support it's very important that you support independent media like we provide through the black talk radio network by making a donation today um because we do not get corporate funding we do not get government grants or anything and the only way we can continue to be a voice of the oppressed is if uh those in need of a voice uh contribute to our nonprofit. with that said Peace and blessings to all, and I'll be back on air um, tomorrow evening. Peace. Gold dinar would have had serious consequences for the world financial system, but may also have empowered the...